January 13th. I really just don't know where the time is going, but I'm also happy because it felt good to go on vacation for a week, be in Colorado, and now be home back in the sunshine and warmth and just get back into my routine. Although this week I'm working, but it's still not my full routine because school hasn't started yet and I'm working full-time this week versus normally working part-time and managing school but it just felt good to be back in my own space anyone else feel that way like you love being on vacation you're really enjoying it but it's also good to come back home and just be at home um i don't know let me know if you feel the same way or you're like no i don't want to go home from vacation i can stay here forever or maybe depends on where the vacation is anyway don't want to ramble on too long so I have a really great episode for you guys today but just really fast want to do a quick suck and sweet of the week. So my suck of the week is that sadly winter break is coming to an end. School starts next week back to reality for real this time but my sweet of the week is that I have one more semester than the bar exam and then I get to move home and I get to be back in Miami permanently and I'm just so so excited to be home being back home this week has just really reinvigorated me into knowing that Miami is where I'm meant to be and the place to be and just being home I've been able to hang out with so many of my influencer friends meet people from social media in real life that I'm friends with now in person and just reconnect with friends and just really get to enjoy being home and being in my city and being with people that I love because I sadly don't get to do that all the time at school just with school and life happening and just living in a city far away from my friends don't always get to do that but I love getting to do that when I can and when I'm home now to introduce this week's guest she is a fellow Miami girl and influencer I'm so glad that she's become a friend of mine through social media I've yet to meet her in person but hopefully one day soon. She is Sasha Medici. We had a really great conversation a lot about social media and trends and TikTok and how to get into this space and how she manages it all working full-time and also we talk about grief and loss and she shares her story and I don't want to add anything to that. I want you guys to listen to the conversation that we had because I think it's a really beautiful conversation and I just am really grateful that I got to, you know, have this conversation and that we get to share it with you guys because I think it's, it's not something that's talked about a lot and it's hard to talk about for a lot of reasons and, you know, it's something very, very personal and we all experience it in some degrees, you know, to some degree. So, yeah, that's all I'm going to say. Without further ado, meet Sasha. Hey, Sasha, how are you? Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have you, fellow Miami girl. And I just, you're a little older than me. So I want to talk more about like life experience. And you've gone through some really cool things and really hard times in your life. And it shaped you into who you are as it, it does for everyone. But the path that you've been on, like from New World School of the Arts, which is an art school in Miami that people don't know, to mm-hmm. 
um, college to then being a content creator to now being in social media as a manager, like for a PR company and your family background, your cultural background. Cause I know you, your parents come from different cultures and like all that. I just, I think mm-hmm. it's really cool. I love getting to know people on a deeper level and like seeing how everything that they've gone through has shaped them. And you have a really unique story about that. So, um, take us, take me back. Like, you know, grew up in Miami, like, where are you like parents from? Like what, like sports that you did growing up? Like, what was your childhood like? So I was born and raised here in Miami. My mom was from here, born and raised as well. And my father actually came from Europe in, I would say what the seventies maybe. And, um, he went to college in Minnesota and my parents met on a blind date And um, obviously that's pre my time was not even in existence yet, but um, it's, it was a really interesting childhood that I had because it was very, um, I would say different than a lot of kids my age. I was an only child. So I kind of grew up really quickly. I was always surrounded by adults my whole entire life. And um I started playing music when I was four, which is something that not many people know about me. And I don't know why my whole life I've kind of been really um, reluctant to share that because it's a really cool thing. And now obviously that I'm older, I appreciate it more than I did when I first started. Um, But on my father's side of the family, everyone is a musician and everyone, it's kind of like a birthright, like you have to play music. So everyone starts off with piano. And then after a couple of years of learning like basics, you can then move on to whatever instrument you want, or even if it's like vocal or anything like that, that's like a, that's perfectly fine. Um, So I ended up starting with piano and then my mom actually chose the harp for me. And I started playing the harp when I was about six or seven and I did music my whole entire life. That's all I knew. I did dance when I was young as well. I did every form of dance. But after a few years, my mom was kind of like, honey, you're just not that great. You're just not that great. We should just focus on music because that's what you're good at. And I was naturally talented. And obviously that's what I would think is a genetic thing that I had because of the whole long line of my family members that were also musicians. Um, But so I stuck to piano and harp and I did that um, up until high school. And then I applied to New World School of the Arts, which is a performing arts high school here in Miami. And I auditioned because you have to audition to get into the school. I auditioned for the harp and got in. I was the only harpist. They hadn't had a harpist in a few years, so that was pretty cool too. And um, I was there for the entirety of high school and absolutely loved it. And yes, everyone asks, and it was a lot like high school musical. So (laughs) I applied or I auditioned and I got into New World for dance. I ended up going to Reef, but I got into New World and also a great school. Yeah. I was in between the two and I just looking back, I kind of wish I would have done New World for like the city aspect of it. And like that part, like, cause you go to school downtown in the middle of the city mm-hmm. and you like take the Metro to downtown for people who don't know versus Coral Reef is essentially like a traditional high school. I just danced right. at school during the day as well as dancing right. at a studio later. But I always like wonder like 
what my life would have been like. I just, I ultimately knew that I didn't want to do dance professionally and new world is a lot more tailored to art professionally than like an academic background. And I wanted academics too. Um, so I made the right decision, but I've always thought like, and that's why I love like talking about like people who went to new world. I'm like, I'm curious, like what it was really like. So that's funny that you say high school music, high school musical. Cause like, I know people like think that and like they they say it themselves people who go there so that's really funny people have always asked me that and that's like I guess the number one question that people ask me when they find out that I went to New World and it is a lot like it people are dancing in the hallways musicians are playing music in the hallways we had black and white checkered floors so we say like the black and white checkered floors um is like where all the magic happened and funny enough a lot of people don't necessarily go the path of their art so I knew from a very, very young age that I did not want to be a musician. Um, I was never fully, I think it was more of a thing that like my parents kind of pushed me to do because they knew I was good at it. And um, I never played sports in my life. Like I never even like looked at a gym ever because, you know, the, it was more of the risk of injuring myself and then not being able to play. So I never did anything that was too risky as far as that was concerned. But it's not to say that like that made my childhood any worse. It was just, like I said earlier, different than I think a lot of kids. And um, so, yeah, I actually grew up in the city, too. And so I was like a city girl through and through. And I loved going to New World. It was, I think, the best four years of my life. And I think what was really interesting is that initially when I first auditioned, I didn't even want to go there. And when I found out I got accepted, I was actually kind of disappointed because I really was not. I don't know how I got in. I had a sprained <laughs> ankle during my audition and it's I was just meant hopping to be. around. I was hopping around because I was on a sprained ankle and I was just trying to push through and I got in and I was like, me getting into new world. Like I'm not that good. <laughs> like I didn't think I was that good. I'm, I'm shocked, but yeah, it's just funny how that works out. And I knew like, and like deep down inside, I knew I was going to get accepted because obviously the harp is one of those really rare instruments that few people play, at least in Miami. There's a very small community. Um, so I knew I was going to get in and I was kind of hoping that I wouldn't, but I'm, you know, everything happens for a reason in life. I'm a huge believer of that. And so it ended up being the best experience of my life and it exposed me to so much and so many different people. Um, People come in all shapes, sizes, forms, ethnicities, cultures, um, and there's so much talent that came out of that school. There's people who went on to be very famous in Hollywood and just like the art community. Um, So it's like a really cool thing to like, you know, go on Netflix and watch a TV show and see someone that I went to high school with on a television show that millions of people watch. Um, But then afterwards, you know, I graduated high school and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I, my father came from, my dad was a biomedical engineer and he worked um, in the medical field for a very long time doing medical equipment. And so I was always exposed to a lot of people in the medical field as well, doctors, nurses, engineers, et cetera, et cetera. And so I like probably so many people in the world thought I'm going to be a doctor. And so I applied to FIU. I applied to a lot of colleges and then I ended up going to FIU. And before I went to FIU, I took a gap year between high school and college. I was a year ahead already. So um, 
I took that year and I worked and I did medical research at UM. And um, I worked in the psychiatry department and actually got published in a medical journal. So that was like a, that's yeah, a very weird thing that happened, a very cool thing, but just so random compared to like what my life is now that I look back on. And what you were doing in high school, your whole, and your whole. Oh yeah. My whole journey is just like a mishmash of things. Just like my like cultural background too. And like I said, my dad came from Europe, but um, he's also, Lebanese and so he's French Lebanese and then my mom was Cuban Greek so I didn't know she was Greek that's cool yeah so her my grandfather was Greek from New York um if anyone has ever watched my big fat Greek wedding that was like her childhood so um it's it's one is still one of my favorite movies to date and so everything in my life has kind of been just like a lot of different experiences that have really exposed me to different parts of um the world and like different communities and different educations and it's really shaped me into I think the person that I am today and so after doing medical research I realized that I research was just not for me but I still thought okay I'll just try biology out see if I like it and I'll never forget walking into my biology 101 class at FIU a class with like 250 students and the professor waiting for everyone to sit down. And the first thing he said is look around because by the end of the semester, more than half of you will have dropped this class and only a handful of you will go on to actually be a doctor. And he was not wrong. (laughs) He was not wrong because by the end of the semester, more than half the people had dropped. And I'm assuming by the end of four years, most of those people did not go on to do anything that had to do with biology or medicine by any means. Um, But I remember when I dropped biology, it was kind of one of those things that was really life shattering because I had this idea of like what my life was going to be. And then realizing that it wasn't that having to sit down and tell my parents that like, I didn't want to do that. And my mom being very um, in her Cuban roots, you know, you are either a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer or an architect. And that's kind of just what you're doing. And just having to sit down and tell her like, Hey, not going to be a doctor. I got to figure out what else I want to do. And I remember switching my major so many times I did psychology. I almost did business. Like I, I did a thousand and one things. And then I'll never forget. It was my junior year. And I went to go see, um, my advisor and she told me, Hey, it's junior year. You need to figure out what you're going to do because you just have all these credits and no like direction of what you want to do. That's kind of cool because everything you did up until that point, like all the different majors and all different classes, like you got like your own kind of interdisciplinary studies, the degree. Oh, for sure. Learned so much from each little thing that you do, but it's so funny that you say that about your mom. Cause it's so true. Like growing up was either you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer. You're going to marry mm-hmm. a doctor and a lawyer. And I was like, Oh yeah. And I remember growing up, I, d- I, I did neither of those things. I did literally neither of those I, things. I used so to, I used to tell my grandma, I was like, Abuela, I'm not going to marry a lawyer. I'm going to be the lawyer. And everyone was like, what? And now here I am. And I, and I don't even want to really do law. <laughs> so it's funny how it works out. It's, it's funny how like life works out. You have a path of where you think your life is going to go. And it's like that saying goes like you plan God laughs. Um, and so that has been, <laughs> I would say that that specific quote has been my life for the past maybe six years, um, but in college as well. And so I ended up just deciding, okay, 
what can I, what can I do at this point? It's junior year. What can I do? And so my advisor was like, why don't you do communications? You have a bunch of your, um, UC credits, which I guess is like the, the credits that you need that are just random credits. And then um, you can use like the last credits that you need to do this specific major. And I was like, okay. So I started taking a bunch of different classes. I took journalism classes. I had to do a speech class. I had to do all of these different classes. And I was like, this is so cool. And I always loved to write. I was a huge writer and a journaler my whole entire life. I still have the journals that I wrote as a child, many, many, many journals. I would just, everything that I thought I would just write it down. It's very cathartic for me and I still do it not as often, but I still do it. And so, um, I ended up graduating with my uh, bachelor's in communications and then, you know, worked for a year and realized that I wanted to go back to school. And this is where I feel like, you know, you have a plan. And again, like God laughs because I ended up going back to school after saying so many times that I would not go back to school after I was done. And I ended up going back to school and getting my master's in mass communications because what I wanted was um, to get paid more. When I went into the workforce, I wanted to be recognized for the education that I had. Now, looking back on it, I don't really think I necessarily needed it because in my field, it doesn't make that much of a difference. Um, but you learned a lot during that program and that helped you now. Oh, for sure. What did you do in between like that gap year from college to your master's? Where did you work in that meantime? I just worked kind of everywhere. I ended up moving, like I moved out of my house um, when I was 21 or 20 and 21. And so I had to kind of pay for rent and pay for all the things that I needed to pay for. And so I was like, okay, I guess I need to get a job and I need to just do whatever I have to do in order to make ends meet. And so that my whole, like, I guess, career took a step back And so I decided to go back to school. And as I was going to school, I was also working. So that was uh, an interesting path for me as well. It really taught me, you know, grit and to push hard and realize, you know, that I was stronger mentally than I even thought that I was. All of this while going through um, losing my mom. And that was like a whole other beast that I had to um, deal with and having a boyfriend and, and, and there's just, you know, there were so many things that were kind of piled on me all at once that there were so many times where I thought I would break and I would just, you know, I couldn't do it. And I, you're stronger than you think you are. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that that time in my life really taught me that and that nothing is impossible. It's just how much you really want it. So I finally graduated with my master's in mass communications. And then I started working um, at a museum that's a pretty popular one here in Miami. It's a science museum. And um, for legal reasons, I can't say the name, Um, but everyone knows. So I started working there and I was um, the marketing specialist and I did social media for them. And I also did extra um, email marketing stuff. And that experience kind of taught me a lot. It's kind of one of those like working many hours, not getting paid so much. So it's like overworked, underpaid, um, but overall just a great experience. The facility was an incredible place to work. Yeah, I can imagine. And it was really just an, a learning experience and a 
great lesson to all, especially anyone who's listening. If you're graduating college, it doesn't mean you're getting a job right away and that's okay. Sometimes it takes. And your first job out of college doesn't necessarily have to be the one that you have for the rest of your life. Like you're a perfect example. Me too. Like that what your path isn't linear. Like it's gonna change and it's okay to pivot. And like, look at where you started playing the harp and then thinking you wanted to be a doctor and doing research to communications, to working at a museum, doing email marketing, like, and now how that has all of that has led you to where you are. Like, it's okay that it doesn't 100%. really make sense. And if people don't understand that, then who cares? Like, do you got to do what's best for you and what you're passionate and about. Th- and that was kind of my thing because I'm very much, um, I love to plan. I'm a huge planner. And the way that my mind works is A, B, C, task one, task two. And so I think during that time in my life of graduating with my master's and not necessarily getting the job that I wanted or get going and being at the place that I thought I would end up at was a very hard shift for me mentally. And I had to, my life has been all about pivoting and being okay with the pivot and being um, mentally just clear in what my end goal is. And that was a huge um, learning lesson for me during that time. And so I ended up working at this museum and then because, you know, I had all these bills to pay for and et cetera, I had to work two other jobs after I would finish my job and on the weekends. And that was just one of those things where I was like, okay, what is happening to my life? I'm still in this phase where, you know, things are not exactly where they're supposed to be. What's wrong with me? I think at that point, mentally, I was at one of my worst points and my lowest points because I was so burnt out and tired. How old were you for reference? How old were you at this time? At that point, I think it was like 24, 25. Okay. I just want for people to listen that like, it's okay to still not know what you're doing when you're 24, 25. Oh, for sure. And also just know that things shift in an instant. from one day to the next, your life can be completely different. And I know that people say that so often. And I would hear that so often during that time where I was really low and I would be like, bullshit, you know, but when it happened to me, that's when I was like, shit. And like, (laughs) that does really happen. And it made me feel differently about myself and my outlook on life. Um, And so I was still young, but I wasn't that young. You know, so I think that that was the hard part for me to realize because I was also comparing myself to everyone else around me. And that is probably the worst thing anyone can do is the comparison game. And my boyfriend would constantly tell me, he's like, stop comparing yourself to everyone else. Your life situation is completely different from everyone else's. And what works for everyone else doesn't necessarily work for you. And so you need to stop looking at the people around you. And just focus on yourself and what you're doing and what you want to do and just stick to that. And so that's what I did until the pandemic happened. And then that's kind of, I like to believe that the pandemic was sort of like a blessing in disguise. And I think a lot of people say that because I think that the pandemic gave everyone that slow paced um, day to day that they hadn't had in a very long time. And because things were moving so slow, it allowed you to open your eyes up and allowed you to refocus and shift 
your energy into things that actually mattered to you. And so when the pandemic happened, I lost my job. Um, and obviously that was incredibly stressful. But then again, everyone was going through the same thing. So it made it a little bit more comforting knowing that I wasn't the only person in the world that was going through that. But at the same time, it didn't change the fact that I had no job. I had bills to pay. I was, you know, stressed. I had college degrees that, you know, I had to pay for because I still had student loans, et cetera, et cetera. And so me being the overthinker that I am, I start highly stressing. But it's funny, my when I did my master's, this is where like things, you know, open, open your mind up. You know what I mean? So I go and I get my master's and that's actually what led me to social media because before that I was not doing social media. I like, obviously I was on Instagram like everyone else, but I was posting pictures of, you know, random things that were happening in my life. Yeah. But it wasn't until my master's that I really realized the power of social media. And I ended up doing my baby thesis on social media and like the future of that. I'm doing mine on social media. Mm-hmm. And that's what really led me to realize like, okay, social media could be a powerful tool. And I used my Instagram as kind of a, I don't, how would I say it? Like I used it as a test drive for my thesis to see how it worked. And based off of like what I was doing on social media, I would use that for my thesis. So that was like a really interesting thing that kind of completely changed my life in a lot of ways, because that's what I do today. And um, so fast forward. So now we're fast forwarding all the way through mid pandemic. We're already, you know, 2020 was just like a, a sort of lost year. Not much happened. We get to maybe August of 2020. And I'm like, okay. That's it. I need to, I don't care what it is. I need to work. I need to, I need a job. I need to do something. And so I knew I wanted to do social media. I had already done it for my previous job that I had lost. So I'm like, I just want to stick to that because I actually really love it. And that's like what I'm good at. So I find another job and I'm doing it remotely. I end up hating it. And And so I was like, you were working somewhere else before. And that's why I wanted to talk about your career trajectory because where you're at now, you seem to really like it. And it's very different. I mean, I don't know actually as if it's really different from what you were doing before, but I I thought you had a different job. So I was curious about that. So I was, yes, I was doing something. I did have a job and then I, it was not for me. I think that the thing that's really hard and has always been very hard for me is that I've always wanted and needed to work. So during that period of time where I wasn't working, not because of anything that I did, but just the world, you know, it was really hard for me to just sit back and just, you know, be like, okay, I guess I'm just not working. And so it became a a thing of just rushing into something that I knew from the beginning was not for me. And that was with my previous job as well. Sometimes I, I think it's very important for people to trust their guts. I'm a huge believer in trusting your gut. You have a feeling inside of you that you need to listen to. And obviously, you know, don't just like rush to judgment and do something without thinking about it. 
But for me, I, from the beginning of both of my previous jobs, I had a feeling that the vibe was not right for me. It was just not the environment for me. And that's okay. It has nothing to do with the actual job itself. And it has nothing to do with the company. I appreciate both of the opportunities that I had. They helped me grow a lot and they helped me um, expand my mind and learn a lot. But ultimately I was looking for something different. And I knew that when I found it, I would just know. And so that I ended up quitting my job, which I've never done in my whole entire life. I've never quit a job. And I've also never quit a job without having another job to replace it. Yeah. So I quit my job because I was absolutely miserable. And I told my boyfriend, I'm like, that I cannot do it anymore. That takes a lot of strength too, to be able to recognize, like, I'm not happy here. Something's got to oh, change yeah. and just take the leap of faith to do it. I so think it's hard for me to be the type of person that's constantly complaining. And I think that also what made me open my eyes to that was my boyfriend. He obviously is the person that I talk to the most and I, his opinion matters the most to me. And he sees me, you know, differently than a lot of people do. And so, and I don't mean that like in a good or bad way, but you know, with your partner, it's always different. And so I remember there was one time where he started telling me like, you are complaining so much. You are miserable you are making the people around you miserable. And I was like, that's a horrible thing to hear from your partner. And he didn't mean it in a way to hurt me. He meant it in a way to help me. And it absolutely did because it was the reality check that I needed where I was. And it takes someone else telling you that sometimes. Oh yeah. For me, I know, like, I knew a lot of stuff that I was going through and what, and I, I knew I needed help. I knew I needed to go back to therapy and actually give it a real shot. But I, for some reason I didn't want to, but I knew it. And it took one of my best friends literally saying like, I care about you so much as a person, but you need to get help. And that time it stuck. Mm-hmm. It had never worked for 10 years before that, but finally someone who is choosing to be in my life that they don't have to be. And I think right. that's where coming a partner comes in, like your family, like they're going to love you unconditionally, exactly. like no matter what. exactly, but your partner is choosing every day. And I want to talk more about like your relationship with him. Cause it's a very interesting mm-hmm. story, but like, yeah, he's choosing every day to be there for you. And so for him to say that it's, yeah, he wasn't saying it in a bad way of saying it. Like, I care about you so much. I love you so much. Like, I know you're not happy and I, I want to help you be right. happy because it hurts me seeing you that And that way. was, so I, I love that, that was his main thing and everything. He's like, I want you to just be happy. And so obviously when I quit my job, like it wasn't a decision that was a light one and also not our favorite decision, either of us. I mean, he wasn't necessarily happy that I just like all of a sudden up and quit my job that was paying me decently and like was at least helping pay the bills. And now it was kind of, you know, relying on him to like help out in the meantime, but thank God for social media, because at that point I was still, you know, doing my stuff on the side and was making money off of that enough where it was helping me maintain my life. And so I kind of started using that as my job in the meantime. And that's what I was doing. I was creating content for brands, creating content for myself, just, you know, kind of having a good time. But eventually I realized that it wasn't sustainable for me only because being home all day long for some people working from home is great. And I love working from home for my current job. Now I work from home on Fridays and I love it. But there's something that I love about going into the office and interacting with my coworkers and having friends 
to talk to on a daily basis that is really important to me. And so I finally realized that I needed a job. And so I started, I had been applying for months and this is where my journey kind of took like a dark turn in a way, because I was, I was on social media all the time and I was constantly creating and creating, and I would be on stories and my showing my face and talking and this and that, and my life looked glorious. It looked great. I looked hot or whatever it was, but that's not really what was happening. It was kind of a front I was putting on only because I thought that if I kept doing it enough, I would convince myself that things were fine and I was okay and I would be fine. But really, I was feeling so low about myself because I couldn't find a job. I was getting so many rejection letters from companies telling me that they were so happy I applied, but they were going to go in a different direction. Or there were so many jobs that I got interviewed for and I would go through the first or second round of interviews and then they would decide to some offered me a job and they wanted to pay me like shit and pay me less than I knew I deserved. And I realized that after all the previous experiences I had, I wasn't ready to just settle anymore. I wanted something that I knew I would stick to because there's nothing worse than not being able to stay at a job for longer than six months or longer than eight months or not make the full year. And I remember telling my boyfriend, I'm like, I am done doing that. And I know that this is hard for the both of us, but I want to, I know that when I find the vibe that I want, that will be it. And that will be what I will stick to. And so I find, and you shouldn't have to settle and you shouldn't have to settle. You shouldn't have to like, again, be unhappy. Like, you know, your worth, you know what you deserve. And I think it's really hard, especially for women and millennial women like us, like our generation with society and everything and social media, like it's really hard to get to that point of knowing who you are and knowing what you want out of life and what you deserve and what you won't, like what you don't, what you don't want, what you will not put up with. It takes a long time to get there. But once you do, you don't, you're not going to take less. You're not going to deal with the bullshit. And so I think it's, it takes a very strong person and like a very like convicted person, like to say like, thanks, but no thanks. Like, yeah, you know, this isn't, this isn't right for me. And that's where I I got to the point where I had been so unhappy for so long that I was so tired of being unhappy that I just wanted some form of happiness in my life. Even if it was my job, because something that my boyfriend would always tell me, he's like, right now you only feel this way because you don't have everything that you want. But the moment you get that job and you're happy, it will completely change the rest of your life and everything around you. And he couldn't have been more right about it because the moment I got my current job, my I felt like, first of all, a weight lifted off my shoulders, but also this like weird form of happiness where I was like, I can actually see myself with this company for a while and I can see myself being happy and I can see myself growing and I can just see myself doing more than I've done in the past. And that was the first time I had actually experienced that in my career and in any job. And I, it was kind of, you know, a blessing in disguise because I think that had everything else in the last couple of years not happened, I would never have gotten to this place where I would not have settled because I think that if this would have been maybe a year ago, I would have just settled for another job. I had literally gotten offered a position and accepted it 
And then I kept feeling really weird about it. I kept feeling uncomfortable about it. And I kept telling my boyfriend, I was like, I know I accepted the job, but I don't know if this is right for me. And he's like, what do you mean? It's a job. Like, this is great. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like it's for me. And he's like, then do what you have to do. And obviously it was, it was hard for him too, because he's like, he just really wanted me to just work because he thought that if I just got any job that, you know, just having an income would make me feel better, but I knew better. And he doesn't want to see you hurting and struggling, but it's so, it's so true what you're saying. Cause I'm currently in the like job search. I graduate in seven months, mm-hmm. I think May, whatever may is, I don't know. Um, and I'm like starting to think about jobs when I move home and I graduate and I'm like, I'm not like, yeah, I have this degree and yeah, I need to pay off loans and I have bills to pay and I have to support myself, but also I'm not going to take a job just to say I have right. a job. Like, I know that, like, like I said earlier, like your first job isn't your last, it's not forever, but I also, I'm not going to take a job that I know won't lead me to where I want to be. Right. Like everything happens for a reason, but there's also certain jobs I know that are just going to be a job to pay the bills. And like, yeah, that's important, but I want to make sure that like, I'm not going to be happy all day at work. Like there's, you know, mm-hmm. you have bad days. There's yeah that's normal but I want to like be excited to like you said go into the office and like talk to people and hang out with people and like enjoy the people I'm surrounded with and enjoy what I'm working on like I don't I don't love necessarily the saying like if you love what you do you won't work a day in your life because it's hard work and you're gonna have to like struggle like that's not necessarily true however I want to make sure that I'm like enjoying what I'm doing if I'm devoting so much time to it because it does play a lot into your happiness and it's I love that, you know, your boyfriend was that like guidepost for you throughout the whole thing, because it's so true. Like he's wants you to be happy. He's like, take it because we need money and you like, you need, we need you. I want you to be happy, but also like he supported the fact that like, he knew that, you know, that wasn't going to be it for well, you. Yeah. And that's always been the theme of our relationship, which has been really great is just like that support system. And he's always been very supportive and understanding, which I obviously really appreciate, but also you know, makes me love him more. And I think that, you know, turning down that job that I had initially accepted was the start of what ended up becoming like everything that I've done to date. So I, you know, I don't regret anything. I don't like to have any regrets in my life. And I think that everything happened the way it was supposed to, and everything happened for a reason. And I am, in a great place now. I am happy. And obviously, you know, work is work. And yes, on some level, like that quote of like, you know, if you love your job, you never work a day in your life. Like I get it. But also, like you said, like work is work. And like, it's not to say that, although I love going into the office, it doesn't mean that every day I'm just like so excited to get up and like go to the office. There's some days where I'm like, shit, I have to get up. But it's not because I don't love my job. It's just because like, who doesn't want that day where they can just like, play hooky and like stay home but at the end of the day like I go back to that feeling of how happy I am that I'm just like everything is kind of playing out the way it's supposed to and my life in the last like six years I would say has been harder than I wouldn't say most but I think that it's been harder than I ever anticipated it to and I think that because of that I just fell into this trap of feeling kind of sorry for myself or feeling kind of just sad that it seemed like everyone's life was going 
so much easier, better than mine was that I needed to just, you know, clear my mind and open up my mind to all the possibilities that were out there and just my life. I don't know. It's just, it was just one of those things that just, you know, I think when you're in a happy place and you're in a dark place, it's very easy to just continue piling on the darkness and the negativity and that, that negativity feeds other negativity and it just, it just continues to pile up. So I had to find a way to break the mold and just be more positive and like, look at the bright side of things. And I think that that's put me in a better position now mentally and emotionally and even physically. Um, No. And you can tell as like a follower of yours and an audience member of yours, like before we were talking off air about it, but like, you can tell that you're so much happier and you love what you do. And like, it shows. And that's so important. And I want to talk a little bit about like, well, how long have you been at the current company. I don't know if you can say it on here, but like, a few months. How long have you been? Okay. It's been mm-hmm. recent. Yeah. I noticed that the, the change has been recent, but like I want to talk more about what you do there and um your own social media stuff. But you you've mentioned, you know, you lost your mom and your boyfriend has been a very supportive throughout it all and you have an interesting relationship. And I want I, I know because I've listened to your your podcast and I, I'm friends with you, but like how like building that like really supportive partner like that's something that is very special you have a special bond in more ways than one and like you said everything happens for a reason like losing your mom that has shaped you and who you are today and it happened when you were very young and like talk a little bit about how as much as you're comfortable sharing of course like that experience what it was really like and how your boyfriend has been there for you throughout all of it because it's such a beautiful it's a silver lining and it's such a beautiful story throughout like all of it. Sure. So, um, I lost my mom back in 2015. And so I can't believe it's been almost six years now. Time flies by, but I mean, it feels just like yesterday. So it's not like any time has really flown at all, but, um, I lost my mom in 2015 at the end of the year. It was actually two days before my 21st birthday and a few days after Christmas. So that time of the year is always really hard for me just because there's so many different events going on all at once. You know, it's Christmas, then the anniversary of her death, my birthday, the new year. Um, But that same year I had met my boyfriend, Michael, and we had actually met on his birthday Um, which is October 4th of 2015. And um, we initially started off as friends, which was uh, his doing, not mine. Um, If it would have been up to me, I would have jumped his bones. Talk about how you met. Um, Talk about how you met the story. So actually we, so this was one of my like between like college and whatever phases. Um, I actually worked at Nordstrom in um, a mall in Miami and so did Michael. And we kind of just, I just saw him and I was like, wow, he's hot. And, um, and that was kind of like, that was it. And Michael tells the story differently than I do, because he said that I saw him and we met at a different time than I remember it. But I don't know. I have my first memory is meeting him in the coffee shop of our, of, of Nordstrom. He remembers it mm-hmm. as meeting me in my department. I don't know, but whatever it may be, I'm so glad it happened because, um, we started dating officially two weeks before my mom passed away. And 
I feel like everything and everyone is brought into your life for a reason. And I think that that was something that was monumental for me having him because I don't know what my life would be now if it wasn't for him. Do you think, do you think your mom put him in your path? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, obviously it, we don't like, obviously she didn't know. No one knew what was going to happen. We'll get to that in a second, but do you think oh, for sure. that Oh, for sure. On some level, definitely. I think it maybe not her necessarily, but the universe definitely brought him into my life for that specific reason. And obviously I like to tell people that, you know, our relationship now is not at all based off of what happened six years ago, because I think a lot of people initially, when I tell them the story, they jump quickly to, oh, well, you know, you're with him because of like everything that he did for you. And it's like, Sure, on some level, absolutely at the beginning, but obviously, but your relationship has evolved. Well, six obviously. years of being with someone is not just with them because of what they did for you six yeah. years ago. It's a lot more exactly. than that. Um, and so, you know, that time in my life was so incredibly difficult, and there was so much going on. And um, for Michael, the thing for me that was very telling of his character was how he stuck by me because for many people it would have been very easy to just give up and be like you know what this is too hard for me or you know whatever excuse it could be because obviously it was hard for me going through all of that but it was also very hard for him too as a partner and someone who had never lost anyone to try to comfort me and understand what I was going through and we went through a lot of ups and downs in our relationship and it was very um, complex and difficult and stressful at times, obviously. Um, but I think that it made us that much stronger and it made us realize the importance of having each other and being there for each other and, you know, how much we actually loved each other for us and not because we were trying to change each other. Because I think that that's something that's to me was very important from the beginning was going into this relationship not wanting to change him and not needing him to change for me. If anything, like I wanted him to change for himself. And it's not like he had any like major problems, but obviously we were young. I was almost 21 and he was 20. So it was one of those things where we still weren't both that mature, but obviously women are more mature than men. So I'm, you know, dealing with this 20 year old boy And over the course of six years, he has been the one to decide to grow and mature and become a man. Only he can make that. Oh, for sure. Too like only you can't change someone. Like they have to want to change for themselves. So I think that's such an important point too. That what I never wanted was for him to resent me in the future and say like you made me change or you made me do this or this is not who I am. I never wanted that. Um, I wanted for him to change for himself and no one else. So I think that that was a really great thing that happened for the both of us. And I think that the experience with my mom, losing my mom obviously was, there's not even a word to describe it, but I think that for my relationship, it it just created this bond that I think is a bond that I will never have with anyone else. And it's no. a bond that has really shaped both of our lives and our relationship in the best possible way. And I'm obviously really grateful for it. Michael was my first boyfriend ever. I was not even looking for a boyfriend. I had been dating and whatever, but I was kind of in that mindset of like, 
I don't really care to have a boyfriend. Like if it happens, it happens, but I'm not really looking for it. And I don't really care. I was like so single. I was having a great time being a single 20 something year old woman. And like, I was just living life. And so, you know, having all of this happen. And that's when I said at the very beginning of this whole conversation that things change in an instant. And for me, that day of losing my mom changed my whole entire life. It changed the entire trajectory of my life and it changed even the person that I am. It took a part of me that I will never get back. And at this point I've accepted that because that's okay. Like I, I am who I am now. And I think that I'm a, in a way, a stronger version of myself. I'm a version of myself that I don't think I ever realized I would be. And emotionally I'm, you know, definitely damaged, but I think that I've also like done the work to like, try to be better and use my damage to do good for myself and my life. And I don't know, that's all I can do is, you know, and obviously like talking about it, I can be really strong about it, but I obviously have my days where I feel very yeah, that and like I I feel like I you know sometimes you take 10 steps forward and then you take 15 steps back and obviously I go through those days even now even almost six years later because it's it's a wound that never fully heals or closes it's just this kind of emptiness that you feel and it's unfortunate but um you know it's it's shaped me into this different woman and this stronger woman and it's just helping me um with, you know, my future and, and how I, how I go through life and how I see certain things and how I see people and, um, my compassion and my empathy for people. Um, I've always been that way, but I think it's only heightened since losing her. So, um, so yeah, that's like kind of our relationship and my, like touching on my mom and, I think our relationship now we've been together for six years um, in a couple of months, it'll be six years. And I don't know. I mean, I guess we'll see what the future holds, but we're living together now. And um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm happy. And that's, I, I think the great thing is that of everything that I've gone through with my career, with school, with my mom and with everything else, my relationship has been the one thing that has been a constant and something I've never had to worry about. And that's a beautiful thing. And that's something that is so rare, but you were saying like, you don't know what the word is, but I was thinking the catalyst, like losing your mom, meeting Michael, like not only was losing your mom the catalyst for your and Michael's relationship, but it was the catalyst for you realizing, like, I'm not going to settle. Like, I deserve more. Like, sure. I'm stronger now because of what I've been through. Oh, sure. I mean, I don't know if you would sure. say that was the word. Yeah. That's the word I was thinking um, when you said that, because it's such a it's such a testament to to who Michael is as a person. And like you said, like. He was willing to evolve and grow to be a supportive partner for you. And he, he was a young guy too. And, you know, he had never experienced what you were going through, but he, it says a lot about who he is as a person to choose to be there for you at one of the most difficult, if not the most difficult thing you've ever had to go through. And, and um, I think that's such a beautiful thing. And like, I love like you share every once in a while on your Instagram, when you see a dove, like that that's your mom like speaking to you or telling you something or showing you like I'm here for you I support mm-hmm. you like um and I think that's such a beautiful sign so 
I don't know, like, do you, could you talk a little bit about that? Like what the significance of a dove is to you? And if there's any other signs that you get from her? Sure. So, um, years and years ago when I was still living at home, um, my mom was like a huge, um, animal lover, but like nature lover as well. She loved, uh, planting flowers and just plants and talking to the plants and watering the plants. She believed that like plants were, um, you know, living beings and that talking to them and, you know, like touching them and all these things were like, would help them grow and live longer. And so, um, when she was outside all the time, watering the plants, there was a dove that kept coming. Um, we had a bird bath and there was this dove that kept coming to the bird bath and, um, doves usually fly in pairs. They're never alone. And so this dove kept coming by itself. And my mom kept trying to talk to it and it would get really flighty and fly away. And over time, the dove started not being afraid of my mom anymore. And my mom kept getting closer and closer to it without it flying away. And um, eventually she got close enough to it where she almost touched it. And that was really just now thinking back on it, just a huge thing that happened. Um, So then when my mom passed away, I stopped seeing the dove. The dove would come every single day and I stopped seeing the dove. And then I don't remember when it was, but I was, I had moved out and I was living in my new apartment and I was talking to my boyfriend on the couch and we were just talking about, I don't know, whatever. And I think I was talking about my mom or had been talking about her, you know, an hour before. And we were sitting on the couch and we were just talking And I was looking out the window and I had a little balcony and on the railing, all of a sudden I see a dove land on the railing. And that was the first time, first time I had seen a dove in maybe a year or more. And it was when I was talking about, like, I needed a sign from my mom that she was still around. Like I, I just like, everyone keeps telling me about all these things. And I was feeling really frustrated because I was just like, she's not around. Like I didn't believe in it. You know what I mean? And, um, I remember seeing that and it's, it kind of freaked me out so much that Michael said I turned pale white and it looked like I had seen a ghost and he jumped on top of me to hug me because he didn't like, it was this weird, like thing. I still remember the moments till this day. And that happened, you know, five or six years ago. And it was just such an impressionable moment because moving forward, I kept seeing doves everywhere I went. And so that to me was a sign that it was my mom because the dove landing on the railing, it was looking straight into the apartment and it kept, it, it was as if it was like looking straight at me. And my mom was telling me like, hi, hello, I'm here. And I'm, I never, I've never not been here. And so for all these years, ever since, like, sometimes if I'm thinking about my mom, there's a, I'll look out and a dove is just you know, on top of me, on the floor, like doves just appear everywhere I go. And even, you know, Michael, his family, like whoever it is, they say that they don't see doves unless I'm around. So it's a really interesting thing to, that's kind of, cool. It, it, well, it's a, to me, it's a sign. Like it's, it's, it's my, yeah, it's course. my mom being there. She's always protecting me. Like there'll be times where I'm like at a light and all of a sudden I look up at the light and there's a dove like on top of the light. It's, it, I don't think I've ever seen a dove like now that I think <laughs> of it. So it's funny that they say like, I don't see one unless you're near and it's just, it's your mom watching oh, over for you sure. and she always has been. And I think it's something so special too, that you said, like you didn't believe it. Like people were telling you all these things, like you don't believe it. Like you don't think she's there. And it's been a long time since you 
had been a year or so since you lost her and you were feeling this for a while. And then all of a sudden, like it appears for the first time you're like, mm-hmm. okay, like I'm here and there's been I'm a, with you. There's been a lot of moments where it's happened because initially I thought I was just going crazy or I was just like wishfully thinking that this was a sign because I hadn't gotten yeah. a sign. So I thought it was just wishful thinking, but then it started happening more and more. Like then I graduated college and I ended up like going outside and I saw a dove. And then like, I, when I moved into my new place with Michael, I kept telling Michael, I'm like, I haven't seen a dove. Like that sucks. You know, like I wish. And then the next day I saw a dove on the railing. Like, so it's always been like my mom, like kind of coming back and being like, Hey, I'm here. I have never left. And that to me is like such a beautiful thing because my mom would always tell me, even, you know, as I was growing up, she's like, if anything ever happens to me, just know I'm going to haunt the shit out of you. And so like when people, my mom, when people hear that, they think it's like a negative thing, but it's not, it's, it's a positive thing. Like it's not a haunting and like, Oh, I'm going to scare the shit out of you. Like, no, it's a a haunting. And like, I'm going to be around at all times. You're going to turn around and think I'm not there. And it's like, surprise, I'm here. And that seems to be the theme of my life. Now, sometimes it freaks me out a little bit because it's like, I'll even like say it out loud. I'm like, okay, like this is too much. Like now I'm seeing you everywhere and this is kind of freaking me out a little bit, but, um, in all the moments that are most important, I see her and that's like a really beautiful thing. And I, it's like one of my favorite, the favorite, the most important and my favorite things that happens in my like daily life. Yeah. I love when you document that. Cause it's always like reading it or seeing what you post. I'm just like, wow, mm-hmm. like that's really cool. Cause it's, it's, it's a special thing and it's, it shows how strong your bond oh, was sure. and that like she is always there for you in the moments that make matter the most. And it's when mm-hmm. you say like, sometimes like, okay, okay, good. I got it. Like go away. But like, no, like she's, she'll always be there for you. And you know, that's so special. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, that's so cool. I can't believe it's already been like, it's funny. You said 2015, like that's the year I graduated high school and like, I'm about to graduate law school and it's been like six, seven mm-hmm. years. I'm just like time has fl- flown, but it's also like, hasn't happened. Like, I believe oh, for sure. So it's crazy, but I don't know. I, I love that. Like this, the, I love sh- that story. And I'm so happy that you, you have shared it before and that we can share it here. Cause you know, I've never experienced that. Most people haven't, but a lot of people have, and a lot of people don't know who they can go to, or they're afraid to say it because they don't want to like make people uncomfortable, mm-hmm. like you said, or they don't know how to approach it. But I hope hearing this, whoever it, it hits home for like whether it's a mom brother sister close friend family member whoever it is but especially if it's a parent like you know that they 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 understand like you know someone out there knows what I'm what I've been through what I'm going through every day so I think that's so beautiful definitely I Um, hope it does you know help someone even if you know even if you're listening and you don't want to share but even if you're just like thinking about it I hope hope that it helps you realize that you're not alone you know we all go through things in life and this is just one of those things for me and it might be you know harder and I I don't like using the word harder because I think that everyone's situation is um its own but I think that this is something that's a little bit um more intense than some others so it's just something that you know, I went through and this is my experience and my story, but it doesn't make anyone else's experiences any less um, important. And it doesn't negate 
the intensity of whatever it is that you're feeling or going through. So you're definitely not alone, especially if you're grieving. Thank you so much for sharing that. I really appreciate it. And I want to switch gears a little bit back to career and practice. Um, What is next for you? What do you think? How long do you see yourself working where you're at now? Do you see that being forever? Would you ever go off on your own and start that your own company doing that since you have the experience for it? Are you going to ever do Instagram and TikTok, like your own social media platforms full time? Like, what do you see future? You know what? I don't like to limit myself as far as I think I've learned the hard way that planning so far ahead doesn't necessarily get me anywhere. I think what's hard is that I am such a planner. And so I always want to have an idea of like where I'm going, what I'm doing, how things are going to be working out. But I think that if my life and especially um, my career has taught me anything, it's that I just need to enjoy what I'm doing now and just enjoy like the moment and enjoy how things are going for me and then figure it out as I go. I don't want to say that I see myself at my job forever now, or don't my, don't see myself at my job forever now, because I obviously can't predict the future of what's going to happen. But I do know that I have certain goals in terms of growing and positions and et cetera, et cetera. And I think that those goals will be dependent on my current job, future job, whatever it is, you know what I mean? And I think that limiting yourself or just like, I think also what's hard is that having like a timeline, I've always been like that where I have a timeline of how I want certain things to happen. When I thought about it six years ago, for example, like with Michael, I thought about six years ago, we were thinking we were going to be young parents. We always thought that we wanted to be young parents. My parents were older when they had me, they were in their, I wouldn't say older, but they were just like, you know, kind of like in their early to mid thirties. And so it made it harder for them to have another child. And Michael's mom was in her early twenties when she had Michael. So we both were raised with like a different, I guess, I guess set of parents. Um, And we initially thought we were going to, you know, by this time we were going to have kids or we were at least going to start planning to have kids or whatever. But obviously life shows you that sometimes the way you think your life is going to be is not necessarily what it is. And so obviously like our timeline has shifted depending on certain events that have happened in our life. Obviously, I think the pandemic shifted a lot of people's lives. No one could have predicted what would have happened. And I think that Michael likes to say that it's kind of like a lost year and it kind of set everyone back a year in terms of what their goals were because so many people weren't working or, you know, making money or whatever. People lost money because they were using their savings to pay whatever it was. And so for us, that was also kind of a thing because obviously losing my job and then quitting my job put us in a position where we had to like reset and refocus our objectives and our goals and our timeline. And it, for me, the way that I think, obviously that was kind of devastating and I had to come to terms with it. But then I realized that just because it shifted doesn't mean that it makes it any less of a beautiful thing that will happen in the future. And I find that to also be with my career. I think that now because I'm happy, I don't want to maybe jinx it and say that, you know, something is going to happen or not happen. I think I'm just trying to be happy in what it is that I'm doing now. And eventually 
I know that I will have a feeling of when it's time for the next step to happen. And so that's like how I think of my whole entire life now. And I think that, like I was saying earlier, getting this job and like being more settled has made me rethink my life and how I think about life. And it's definitely in a more positive way. It's a more positive outlook on the future as well. And that I guess is like, I don't know. I would say that that's like my advice to anyone. And I don't like to give advice because I am so not an expert on life. But what I would say is that, you know, it's important to have goals and have dreams and try to achieve anything and everything that you want, but don't always limit yourself and don't always have a set expectation on how you think things might go because you might achieve the goal, but it might not be in the way you expected to achieve it. And I think for me, I am a huge person of expectations. I have very high expectations of not only myself, but others. It has been my biggest downfall, but also my best personality trait at the same. Oh, I'm literally the same exact, (laughs) like what you just said. That is like me. That's so funny. I think that I am my harshest critic. I am my worst enemy. And there is no one in the world who sets higher expectations for me than me. And it is a great thing in the workplace sometimes because you do burn yourself out. No one else burns me out except for me. Um, But I think that in my personal life, it has been my biggest downfall in not only having high expectations of myself, but of my partner of friends, of whoever it is. And I think that 2020 really gave me that opportunity to kind of shift that perspective. And this whole year, 2021 has been a huge um, jump and leap in my life and in my career and in all aspects of my life. And it happened like this in a, in a, the blink of So I think that it's very important for people to realize that no matter what your dreams are, you can achieve anything that you want to achieve, obviously within reason. Um, But like, I'm not sitting here thinking that like, for example, like think, I don't know, Kendall Jenner is beautiful, but I'm not expecting that in three years from now, I'm going to be Kendall Jenner. Like realistically speaking, like certain things are achievable, but I think that um, within reason, I think it's important to set your expectations, set your goals, but have the fluidity and the flexibility to kind of pivot and shift with whatever it is that's happening in life and not let it bring you down and just bask in whatever it is that's happening and believe in yourself, be your own cheerleader. You can have people cheering you on, but only you can really change the trajectory and course of your life and you have to believe in yourself and you have to believe in even life itself and not believe that anyone or life is out to get you you have to just take it and just be like you know what I'm gonna make it happen I'm gonna make a change I'm gonna do what I want to do because this is my life and no one else is living your life but you so you have to be happy with what is happening in your life and what it is that you're doing I love that. I think that's such a great place to end this conversation, which has been such a good 
long, very insightful and good conversation, but it's so true what you said about 2020. Just my life has, like, I've always been evolving. We always are, but the last, since the pandemic to now, I'm 100% a different person than I was then. I've done a complete 180 for the best. And like, I'm, there's still so much more I have to learn and grow. And I'm excited to go there, but it's so true. Like, you know, it happens so fast. And then you have to be your biggest trailer. You have to look back and celebrate your accomplishments and look how far you've come and be proud of that. And like, yeah, don't set expectations too harsh for yourself. Like have goals, but like be willing to, to be like flexible with it. Like you said, because you don't know what's going to happen. And like, it's funny that you said, like, like you make plans and God laughs. It's like, you know, everything happens for a reason. Everything works out the way that it's meant to. And sometimes we might have these goals, but it might not necessarily work out the way that we wanted to, but it worked out the way it was meant to in the way that it was the best way for us. Even if we don't see until we look back and celebrate we're as far as how far we've come and like, okay, I've grown this far. I'm here now. Like, let me use what I've learned up until this point to propel me to the next step. So I love that. Um, if you, you don't like giving advice, but as a social media manager, as a content creator, what is one tip you can leave everyone listening who either wants to either be a content creator is one wants to do social media management, um, wants to go into that, the, the, the business side of it. Um, and then where can everyone find you? Hmm. Um, there's so many things I can think of right now, but the one thing I can think of is what I said earlier, which is believe in yourself, be your biggest cheerleader, but also like be fluid and flexible with what is going on in your life and in your circumstances. And, you know, be open-minded to everything and all opportunities that are presented, whether that be actual platforms, whether it be brands that you work with, um, give everything and everyone a chance because you never know where that might lead you. So that would, I guess, be like my one main tip that I use for myself. So you can find me on all platforms at Sasha Steph underscore and Sasha is spelled S-A-C-H-A um, and Steph S-T-E-P-H underscore. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Instagram. You guys can also find my podcast, um, although currently on pause, but you guys can listen to old episodes at Red Receipts on pod on Instagram and also on all streaming platforms. So yeah, I'll put them in the show notes. I'm so happy that we got to have this conversation. I really think that this one, I hope like it was therapy for you. It was therapy for me. I love having these conversations and I love my whole goal with this podcast is to make an impact on people. And I think we, we are really able to do so with, with this episode. So thank you so much for joining me and I'll, I can't wait to share it with everyone. Thank you so much for having me and thank you everyone so much for listening. I know this episode is a really long one, so I'm not going to take up too much more of your time, but thank you so much for listening. I hope this episode helped you, made an impact on you the way that it did for me. I will make sure to link everything in the show notes and don't forget to leave a rating and review, subscribe, share what you're listening, tag us, and leave a comment in both of our um, latest posts so we know that you're listening. And yeah. I'll see you guys next week.
That's a good one. Yeah. Where can everyone find you?